Welcome to Paychecks Thrive, a business podcast where you'll hear timely insights to help you navigate marketplace dynamics and propel your business forward. Here's your host, Gene Marks. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Thrive by Paychecks. My name is Gene Marks. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I'm here with someone who I've known for quite a long time, uh, John Ahrensmeyer. Now, by the way, Ahrensmeyer, right, John? That's correct. Okay, good. Just want to make sure uh, that I am pronouncing it right. John is the founder and CEO of Small Business Majority in Washington, D.C. Uh, John and I have, you know, Come across. We 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 travel in the same circles. Uh, we've talked to each other separately on different occasions. We've been on uh, Lauren Feldman's great, uh, you know, podcast and organization of Twenty One Hats. Uh, so you know, I'm I'm happy, John, that you decided to join me. John, um, John's organization represents a lot of small businesses around the country. And what better person to talk to as we get into 2023 about some of the issues that are facing? small businesses in 2023 than, than John. So first of all, let's just back up a little bit, John. Let me ask for a little background about yourself and also small business majority. Tell us about you. Well, good to be, uh, Gene. Thanks for having me. Um, I uh, uh, ran um, uh, small business uh, uh, interactive communications company. Um, and before that uh, was actually a lawyer. Before that was involved in public policy. So um, when I finally sold my company, I uh, sort of thought about it for a while. What am I going to do now when I grow up? And um, decided to really merge the my interests in small business and uh, and public policy. So founded Small Business Majority 17 years ago, and uh, we uh, we do three things basically. We are a hub for resources and education for um, uh, small businesses across the country, with a particular focus on more underserved uh, businesses. Um, we uh, do a lot of work on uh, policy and advocacy, uh, both nationally and in the states, and we um, do a lot of research. Uh, we have a whole sort of research and insights division where we do polling, we do focus groups, um, we do economic studies, and uh, we uh, try to link that with the work that we do both on the education resources side and the policy and advocacy side. Um, we've got um, 85,000 small businesses across the country as part of our network. Mm -hmm. We have a network of about 1,500 partners with whom we work. These are organizations that serve small business, uh, whether they be lenders or technical assistance providers, local chambers of commerce. Um, and um, we, we work with them to, um, to do a lot of our work. We have nine offices across the country um, in about six different states. And um, that's kind of who we are. First of all, that is absolutely amazing. That is much bigger than I thought that you you guys were. That is like, incredibly impressive. When you say you've got, you said eighty five thousand, you yes. know, uh, you know, small business members. I mean, are these, you know, in other words, how, how do businesses get involved with your organization? Is it a paying membership type of relationship? We do not have a paid membership. These are uh, folks that are um, joined our network and uh, remain on our network. Obviously, there's a vast uh, range of of how involved they are. Um, sure. We have a, obviously a, a couple thousand who are, are most involved within that. Um, and uh, the reason we don't um, charge membership is that we work because of these partnerships we have with other organizations, particularly with local chambers and other business organizations. That we go to them and we present ourselves as a as a as a partner who can speak to specific um, issues, um, who can help them with advocacy, help them with connections to resources. And uh, they don't want us, you know, doing that with them jointly and then picking off their members and charging them. So um, that's uh, that's the model we have. We're, we're fully philanthropically funded as a result. 
I was just going to ask about your funding. So your funding comes from both private. Is there any public funding as well, or is it all from yeah, private organizations? Little. We have had some uh, some public funding in the past. It's primarily um, charitable foundations and uh, corporate foundations. John, that is, uh, I mean, that really is amazing. And you've been doing this for 17 years. So thank you for doing this. How big an organization are you um, employee-wise or do you have contractors or or whatnot? How are you organized? Well, we're pretty much you said all, you had nine offices, All right? full-time employees. Uh, we have a couple open positions, including all open positions. It's 32, 32 employees. That's great. So I want, you know, if you're listening to this or you're watching this, you know, conversation, I mean, just please be aware that none of this, John, have, you know, all these members that are small businesses, but John, you're a small business owner yourself. Uh, I'm assuming you're a, you know, small business majority is a nonprofit, um, you know, but as as my wife will attest, who runs a nonprofit, I mean, nonprofits are every bit of, as, you know, a business as a for-profit business. In fact, honestly, most of my clients are nonprofits anyway, and they're, 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 they're taxpayers. So yeah, I just want to be clear that you know the the, the opinions that you have and and um, the activities that you're doing are are coming across. You know, you're not just uh, some journalist or somebody that's on the outside. You are an actual business owner and experiencing whatever the issues are that uh, businesses are experiencing. So, all right, so let's go into 2023. Um, I I you know I wanted to hear you know some of your thoughts on some issues that are impacting businesses in 2023. And I also just sort of maybe your insights or advice as far as navigating around those issues. So, you know, first, as we head into, uh, you know, the year, inflation is certainly with us. Um, we, we are, as, as we're having this conversation, it's hovering around 7 to 8%, both uh, CPI and PPI. Um, it's going to take a while for it to really kind of, you know, work its way down. I just read the other day that... Uh, uh, M2 money supply growth is actually, you know, for the first time in a long time, has actually gone into negative growth, which is good news uh, when it comes to fighting inflation. So the Fed is taking steps uh, by raising interest rates, holding off on buying back bonds. Obviously, supply chain issues are starting to alle- you know, definitely been alleviating uh, compared to where we were a year and a half ago. So what are you seeing out among your constituents or members, you know, John? Um, are they feeling less inflationary pain is my first question. What do you expect them to be dealing with is my next question regarding inflation. And um, just thoughts on navigating through this year, which will be an inflationary year. Well, they're definitely feeling in, in inflationary pain. Uh, and alongside that, uh, workforce challenges um, with um, mm-hmm. uh, people. Um, you know, there's a lot more workforce pressures, difficulty, a lot of uh, professions finding um, finding people. Um, so they're mm-hmm. they're definitely dealing with that, but I would say that you know there's still their basic needs or their basic concerns haven't really changed that much. There's not a lot they can do about inflation. Um, they obviously, are, I think, they have a heightened uh, focus on on uh, having a productive and happy workforce. But you know the three buckets that we focus on are really um, businesses need access to capital, resources, and opportunities to start and to right. grow. Um, they need um, a system that allows them and their employees to have quality jobs, whether that's access to health care, child care, paid leave, retirement. And they need to operate on a level playing field. Um, and that it does involve taking a look at whether there are unfair practices, uh, any competitive practices, any trust laws that perhaps can be enforced to give them the uh, that level playing field, the tax system that's fair. So th- those, those things haven't changed. Uh, I think the workforce issue is really been somewhat heightened. And um, mm-hmm. because of that, you know, 
there's there's a lot of frustration. There's a frustration that we we can't solve uh, our immigration dilemma. Even legal immigration has has uh, cut down. Um, you know, they, there's so many industries that that rely on immigrants for uh, the hospitality industry, the construction industry. They've been hurt particularly, and um, so. Um, and then there's you know costs. There's costs. There's costly benefits I talked about. There's costs of sure. inflationary costs on wages. So, um, you know these. The basic concerns have always been there, but they've been heightened by some of these uh, some of these issues that we're facing now. Workforce, um, you know, at the beginning of this year, something like twenty six states um, were raising their minimum wages. Um, federal minimum wage still remains at seven dollars and twenty five cents an hour. Um, you're, you know, you help to advocate for public policy. What is your, you know, what I mean? Certainly, certain small business organizations really push back against any increase in a minimum wage. Um, what are your thoughts on minimum wage increases? And do you believe that uh, there will be a federal increase to the minimum wage anytime in the foreseeable future? Well, we, we've, done, we've done a lot of polling on this in the past. And even before all these inflationary pressures, we found the majority of, of, of businesses supported an increase in the minimum wage, even as high as $12, $13. This was a couple of years ago. Um, the reality, though, is that for most businesses, it, it's kind of irrelevant because you can't you can't hire people at those kinds of wages. Right. So we certainly support an increase in the minimum wage. But um, the fact of the matter is, for most businesses, they have to pay more than the minimum wage because uh, because of all the inflationary pressures we talked about. And the fact that the minimum wage hasn't been raised to match that is is, is pretty ludicrous. It really is. Um, do you or your organization support an increase nationally, or do you think that it's being handled the right way, just leaving it to states and local governments to determine their own local minimum wages? Well, I think having a, a, a good floor nationally is what we need, and then states should be free, uh, where the cost of living is higher, they should be free to, to tack onto that. We have a system that we have that system now, we just don't have a floor that's high enough. Right. Fair enough. Um, other inflationary pressures and cost pressures on on businesses as we head into 2023 regarding labor, uh, two big ones sort of come into mind. One is uh, worker classifications, uh, Department of Labor coming out with new rules in 2023, which uh, may cause many businesses to have to reclassify some of their independent contractors as employees. Um, you know, if that happens, you know, businesses have to incur you know additional costs, taxes, benefits. You know, you know, make them eligible for workers more, you know, employee and employment rights. Um, what, do, what do your members say about this? Do you sense that there is a big pushback against that? Do you feel that there is fear against that? Or do you feel more uh, more compliant? Um, I think there's, a, there's definitely concern. Um, our position is, and we submitted a comment letter on the proposed rules, is that we obviously endorse the, the fundamental desire to make sure that people aren't misclassified, that people working in jobs that nobody would consider independent as a dishwasher or, um, you know, janitor, uh, that, that those people are not misclassified, that they are properly uh, positioned as employees. But um, where I think the rule goes a little too far is they've missed the point that there is a much more complex economy out there. There are a lot of people we find in our own network even who themselves, if they're solopreneurs, want to remain independent. They yeah. themselves do retain um, solopreneurs. Uh, these are not um, people who you would think of in this sort of, uh, you know, abused category of, of, you know, people who really are being misclassified. So I think with, they've gone a little too far in terms of trying to, um, to, to, to address what is, what is a legitimate concern. 
And uh, we have, we've gotten a lot of pushback from folks in our network and, and our comment letter reflected that. Yeah, I'm hearing the same thing. And uh, it is, you're 100% right. I mean, there are so many freelancers and independent people that are out there. I mean, the number of startups in this country has just you know, exploded over the past few years. Uh, and, you know, it's just almost like the people are saying we want to be more independent and do that kind of work. And then, you know, the Department of Labor is saying, you know, well, hold on. Maybe some of this stuff will classify you as an employee. I, I use a lot of independent contractors in my business, and uh, I can assure you, uh, none of them want to be my employees. <laughs> they like being they like being independent, you know. So it, it's an on you know it's an ongoing you know issue. Do you feel you know you, you know John that that um, the current administration is you know is more pro employee and poor you know pro labor? Um, you know, besides the worker classification rule, there's other rules coming. In you know 2023, that the Department of Labor pay transparency, uh, you know uh, overtime rules. You know I understand are you're being looked at potentially overtime wages will increase, which will you know also you know, you know, potentially create more costs for you know employers. Uh, you know is you know, do do your members feel that this is uh, you know unfair or 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 too much or or too pro uh, too pro worker or again do you feel that uh, you know, most of your members are under, more understood and, you know, able to deal with these kinds of new regulations. Well, I think it's a false choice to be, you know, you're either pro-business or you're pro-labor or pro-worker, yeah. particularly when it comes to small business. I mean, as you know, Dean, um, most small businesses, you know, workers are like family. Uh, I'm not yeah. suggesting there aren't, you know, there aren't small businesses out there that maybe aren't doing the right thing. But, um, you know, they're all, what we find is there's an ecosystem here that needs to be supported. And that means supporting the needs of the owners and to be able to grow the business. It also means making sure that the workers, the employees have access to benefits, um, have a decent living wage. Um, and, and we don't see those things as being uh, an opposite. Uh, we're pretty happy that the current administration, you know, kind of, you know, sees that this is not a, a dichotomy. As I said, I think the Department of Labor's proposed rule goes too far. But as a general matter, um, the administration itself, I think they kind of get the balance between the two. Um, and as I said, I, I don't, we, we don't choose to look at this and our, our members don't choose to look at this as a business versus employer. It's we're really all in the same boat. We've got a lot of stresses and strains and, and issues out there. We've got quite frankly some challenges dealing with bigger businesses. And uh, we choose to look at this as one ecosystem trying to work together to make sure that it, it, it thrives. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, it's funny too. I mean, I, you, know, you read and you see in the news how, you know, people, the media, and I'm one of them, you know, we love to portray that there's some big issue going on or some big controversy because of some rule that's coming out in Washington. When, I mean, you hit it right on the head. I mean, most employers that I talk to, most of my clients, I mean, they care about their employees. They want to pay them a fair wage. It, most of the time when regulations come out um, from the government telling employers that you should be doing certain things, most of our clients are already doing it anyway because they know it's just the right thing to do. So it's only people that seem to be like on the extreme sides of that debate that are the ones getting the attention. Um, the rest of us are like, yeah, I mean, of course, that is a normal thing to do. And we've been doing that for a while. Well, as you know, Gene, small business owners do not tend to be ideological. I mean, of course, there are <laughs> ideologues who happen to run small businesses, but I mean, we're a pretty yeah. pragmatic bunch. And uh, you're, well, I think what you're suggesting is when ideologies on either side take over, um, it creates problems. Yeah, it really does. It really does. Um, staying on labor, uh, only because it is such a big you know, issue with us you know, in 2020. It's going to continue to be a big issue. I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are on what your, your members are doing to 
retain people and and attract new people to their business. You're, you're right about we need more of a level playing field. We're competing against big companies. We're competing against the government. Um, we're trying to bring good business. I've always been uh, I've always thought that small businesses are are a great place, way more advantages than big businesses. Depending on how you are as an employee, you have flexibility and chance to get ahead and make a difference and all of that. Uh, are there any sort of you know any hot benefits that you're seeing, John, out there that people are offering? Do you see your members saying you're talking about specific? You know, do you see your members you know, planning on increasing compensation significantly in 2023 to stay competitor, you know, competitive? What do you see your members doing to try and attract and retain people in, in 2023? Well, I think it's a mix. I mean, those who can increase compensation and because perhaps they have increased revenues, whether that's due to inflation or due to a particular business they're in, are, are doing that. Some right. can't do it, though. Um, cost of benefits is a huge issue. Um, you know, the Affordable Health Care Act really helped in that it, it took the pressure off of employers having to provide coverage. Um, and there are a lot of options now. I know, I know you've written about this. Uh, yes, you can you can offer coverage, but the exchanges, particularly with the continuation of the expanded subsidies in the Inflation Reduction Act, um, you know, make that a, a, an attractive alternative. And, um, you know, so the big, big area I see the, the benefits related, if you will, is child care. Um, and this yeah. is a big issue for us for two reasons. One is it's small businesses um, can't attract employees because the employees, they have their own child care needs um, and they can't attract employees um, be, who have tremendous child care needs. And they need to be a lot more flexible about that. Um, and then um, the fact is, who are the child care providers? They're almost all small businesses, most run by women, many run by people of color and immigrants. So you've got a need both from the business side and from the uh, sort of employment side to address this. Um, and uh, it's an issue that we're getting more and more involved with. We're actually um, in Colorado. We do a lot of work providing business assistance to small business providers who need to learn more about licensing and regulations. Um, but the, the fundamental economic problem is there. And we were very sorry to see in the legislation that ended up being Inflation Reduction Act that all the child care subsidies were removed because that kind of separates us out from most of the rest of the developed world. And uh, if we don't solve this problem, we're going to have long term workforce issues. Yeah, again, uh, we're in agreement on that. I mean, you know, again, people, um, yeah, yeah, listen, I'm, I'm a right of center person when it comes fiscally. And to me, it makes sense fiscally to level the playing field. And if the government can offer um, assistance to small businesses, whether through tax credits or other funding to help them provide childcare for their employees, um, number one, it keeps those employees coming to work you know, rather than missing time. So that's, to me, that's a tangible economic benefit. But number two is, it, it does help us establish a level playing field with those large corporations that are already doing just that and are able to attract employees with kids. Um, I feel the same way about healthcare. And I don't know how, how you and your organization stands on it. I mean, my wife is from the UK and uh, they have national health in the UK. There, there are strengths and there are weaknesses and pros and cons. I get that. But I, I just always felt, I always agreed with her. Like, I just don't know why, John, like my, I have to provide I'm involved in my employees' healthcare decisions. You know, like I, I would rather there be some type of a, a national health system where I could just say, listen, we'll all just pay the tax that we're paying anyway for premiums um, and then just get it through the government, you know? And, and I, I wonder if that's anything that your organization is 
continuing to advocate for or what you're hearing from your members when it comes to, you know, healthcare? Well, somebody dropped in from outer space to set up a system. You would not make it be an employer-based system. You would come up. If somebody dropped in from outer space and evaluated our system, even they wouldn't be able to figure out our system. (laughs) Are you saying that healthcare is complicated, Gene? A little bit, a little bit, yeah. (laughs) That said, um, we are we are about um, we are about creating as many options as possible at as affordable a price as possible. To talk about dramatically overhauling a system that is still very much employer based overnight hmm. that is is not a reality it's not a practical reality it's certainly not a political reality perhaps there are ways to move toward that there have been we've supported proposals to expand um, Medicare to 55 um, there's ways to take baby steps toward that um, but transforming it all overnight doesn't work and in the meantime you know employer-based healthcare for the most part remains the gold standard. And a lot of businesses use that as a way to attract and keep good employees. And we don't want to turn that on its head overnight, even though there's no question there's disparities between those companies that can afford to do it and those who can't. So I think, you know, we're, we're pragmatists here. We want to keep the options open. That's what the ACA did. The fact that they've uh, continued the subsidies under the Inflation Reduction Act is great. Uh, we're big into uh, and working with a bunch of other uh, partners to try to lower costs in the system. Ultimately, the the system is burdened by excessive costs that have really nothing to do with how payments made. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So I don't know if I'm answering your question. We're, 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 it does. Yeah. Ideally, this is not the best system, but it's what we've got and we need to work with it and we need to maybe take baby steps toward bringing it a little closer to a more universal system. All right. That is great. Um, all right. I have a few more questions for you and then I'll let you go. This is, this is, it's great stuff. Um, so next question I have for you has to do with, with financing and funding. Um, I, I'm talking to my clients. Everyone has seen a doubling in their interest rates, obviously, over the past year. Um, some of my smaller clients are seeing uh, commercial rates in double-digit range uh, from traditional banks. Uh, it's having a big impact on their working capital, what inventory they can buy, uh, receivables they can manage. Uh, and then, of course, you know, with higher interest rates, uh, banks start contracting loans that are going to be given out. It creates a tougher financing environment, not only for growth companies, but for startups. We're already seeing that within the tech industry. What in 2023, if if a business owner is coming to you, John, and saying, "Hey, I, you know, I do want, I need, I do need financing," um, outside of traditional banks, what are you telling them? Where do, where do you think are a good place to go for financing this year? Well, you're right about what's going on with traditional banks. We already had an issue with them um, not serving you know, really small businesses or businesses under resourced communities even before. Uh, the increase in interest rates. Um, so, look, there are other opportunities out there, and we've got to figure out how to scale them. CDFIs offer emission-driven loans, but they do require subsidies to uh, to do that. Um, we're very um, happy that the uh, small uh, state small business credit initiative was continued in the American Rescue Plan, and that is providing ten billion dollars to the states and to Native tribes. Of half a billion of that specifically directed toward technical assistance that is going to be administered by the states. This was a you know a re- revamping of a program that had existed coming out of the Great Recession, um, which did very well. And we're very hopeful. It's those sorts of, of more innovative um, uh, products and opportunities that we need. And the government needs to take, um, take some risk in this. The government is uniquely um, set up to absorb risk in, in lending. And you can't put this all in the private sector. 
And so, um, you know, we're, we're hopeful that, you know, the SBA is looking at expanding um, the people who can offer 7A loans. They're making changes to their uh, small business investment um, corporation, um, their small business lending corporation. Um, so it's there's a lot of opportunities out there. Um, we, we've got to figure out how to look at risk a little differently. I mean, traditional ways of looking at risk simply through FICO scores you leave a lot of people mm-hmm. on the sidelines. And this was the case before interest rates started going up. So there's a there's a big role for government to play to, to put in place innovative programs, try to get them to people who have been left out of the system, um, and try to perhaps uh, soften the blow of some of these higher interest rates. And, you know, we were talking about some of the things you're working on during this year. Is is that one of the policies that you're advocating is to you know, provide more financing options? Yes. And- Besides that, what what else do you have with your agenda in 2023? Uh, in, in, in lending or otherwise? Right. Well, otherwise, well, right um, now, definitely lending. Yes. And then what um, else? Well, we're very um, <clears throat> we're very concerned that uh, you know licensing and other regulations of very small businesses that is continue to be a real burden uh, to start businesses and to grow businesses. Yeah. Um, I think I was seeing a statistic that one in four businesses now need a license, whereas a couple of generations ago it was one in twelve. Uh, yeah, by license you mean like you know to, to cut someone's hair, you need like yeah, a PhD yeah, in astrophysics. And, and you right, probably right. don't need a, a fancy license. So I yeah. mean, um, there's there's a lot of need to 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 look at ways that we can streamline that. Um, we talked about the uh, all these issues around providing quality employment through benefits, and then sort of fair competition and antitrust, uh, which is actually one of the few areas that is bipartisan has bipartisan support right now. Sure. We're very sorry that um, some of the bipartisan bills um, that in, in this in the Congress last Congress did not pass the self preferencing um, uh, 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 law. So um, yeah, there's. That's what we're focused on is is to try to um, move the needle in all those areas. Final question, um, and this has been great, by the way. Uh, you know, we, you and I are a little bit older here. Um, you know, small business owners in general tend to be over the age of fifty. I mean, more than half of them, according to the SBA, and uh, I'm sure your members are indicative of that demographic. So I'm just hearing more and more about succession planning and exiting our business and building value and preparing for the future. You know, what is the future? I mean, do you, you know, where, where do you think, do you, are you hearing the same? Do you expect there to be a big uptick in business exits and, and, you know, um, you know, transition of wealth over the next few years? What are your thoughts on well, that? First of all, you're absolutely right. And I'm glad you mentioned it. Most people don't realize <laughs> that over half of the business, small businesses are run by people over 50. Um, and this for a variety of reasons. <laughs> uh, yeah, we are hearing about, you know, concerns about succession planning, um, there, you know, one, one area that we're starting to take a look at is employee ownership, um, taking over business, employees, taking over businesses, um, yes. we're maybe doing some pilot work in Georgia on that. Um, and, um, I think, you know, there, there need to be there and, and they, there need to be, um, easier ways for businesses to, uh, look at. Some businesses don't want to be sold or they're not appropriate to be sold, but some are. And to be sold, uh, you know, it's quite frankly, I sold my business and that was that was a good thing. So um, I think that uh, we need to, to, to ease those burdens and create those opportunities. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely some need to look at succession plans. It's not something we spent a lot of time on, but it's something that we're hearing more and more. Okay, fair enough. John Ahrensmeyer is the founder and CEO of Small Business Majority in Washington. John, what is your website? Uh, smallbusinessmajority.org. 
Sounds simple enough. Get involved, guys. Join John's organization. He represents you know tens of thousands of small businesses around the country and is a great voice and advocate for all of us who are running businesses. John, uh, thanks very much for joining me. That was a lot of fun. Good to be here, Jane. So you've been listening to Paychecks Thrive Podcast. My name is Gene Marks. Thank you so much for joining me. We will be back soon again with another segment on a topic that will impact your business. If you have any type of uh, suggestions or topics or guests you would like to recommend, please visit us at our site at payx.me forward slash thrive topics. That's payx.me forward slash thrive topics. Again, my name is Gene Marks. Thanks for listening. We'll be back to you soon. Take care. Do you have a topic or a guest that you would like to hear on Thrive? please let us know. Visit payx.me forward slash thrive topics and send us your ideas or matters of interest. Also, if your business is looking to simplify your HR, payroll, benefits, or insurance services, see how Paychex can help. Visit the resource hub at paychex.com forward slash works. That's W-O-R-X. Paychex can help manage those complexities while you focus on all the ways you want your business to thrive. I'm your host, Gene Marks, and thanks for joining us. Till next time, take care. This podcast is property of Paychecks Incorporated 2023, all rights reserved.